We're going to talk a little bit about attitude today. And, uh, how, why do I keep bringing that subject up? Not because you have a bad attitude, but just want to keep us going, right? Want to keep us going in the right way. Um, reading one of Chuck Swindoll's uh, illustrations. He writes these words, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. That's huge, isn't it? I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude it is more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my success or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of my, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position, attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitude is right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. That's huge. Sometimes we can't change our circumstances. Many times we can't change our circumstances. Oh, we'd like to sometimes go back in time and change things, do things differently. Maybe if we had that opportunity, we wouldn't do anything differently we did the first time. I don't know. You know, attitude, what we learn as we go along. How we are still learning. Life is full of new challenges, new things, new challenges, new. Some say, well, the older I get, I can work just as hard. It just takes me longer to get it done. Huh? Is that an attitude? That's a good attitude. You know, we just plug away. We go at our own pace. Who says you have to do so much and so much and so much? Who put that on yourself? You and I, right? If you're like me, I set the bar high for myself many times. That's okay. It's a good thing. But I'm learning it. I'm pretty hard on myself if I don't reach my goal. You know what? I got to get over it, right? Get over the attitude. But you know what? There's something about shooting for excellence, doing all that you can, making the most of every opportunity. And we shared last Sunday in a verse out of Ephesians, making most of the opportunity. The, t the days are evil, right? The time is short. Uh, we only get so much time. If, you, if you're a, uh, good at math, you could add up all the years of an average lifespan. Then you boil it down to days, and then you boil it down to hours. And it's really kind of, oh, oh, wow. That's all I have left? It's like, that's all we have? And so you know, your time is ticking away. It keeps going. And we're, we're learning to make the most of every opportunity. So uh, I'm going to jump into Philippians chapter 1 because that's what I've taken from this first chapter is basically an attitude that Paul had. Paul was writing the church of Philippi, basically thanking them 
for the gifts he had received, for the monetary gifts that he received while he was in ministry. And he's writing this wonderful letter. Read, when you read Philippians, you're probably going to uh, be encouraged. It's one of those letters that kind of, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I need. That's what I learned. I need to learn how to do that. I need, a, I, I need that when I'm anxious. It says, be anxious for nothing. That's in Philippians. And it talks about your joy. It talks about your, your having, uh, your, your focus, your attitude of humility. And it's just a whole, and I think we'll stay with this book for a while. Not all today. We're not going to get through it all today. So don't, don't panic. Uh, I'm learning that I need to be reminded often. I'm learning that I forget or I get my focus off track. And how many know that you need to write yourself notes or some way make a list and some way put it in your phone. You guys are good at that. I'm not. And so I get by. Paul was writing from the prison cell. He writes, Paul and Timothy, bond servants, Christ Jesus. What, what's a bond servant? If you were to think of it this way, a bond servant has to do with a choice. He chose to be a servant of the Lord. He wasn't forced. He was changed on the road to Damascus as his conversion, of Paul's conversion. His heart was brought into the right relationship. And God called him to serve him. No, God didn't tell him, no, Paul, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna slave for me. You're going you're gonna, to... You're gonna, have pain, you're going to be on a shipwreck, you're going to be left for dead, you're going to be in prisons, you're going to have all this stuff. Hello? God, I don't think I want that job. You know? When we sign up, when we choose to serve the Lord, we're not saying we want all those things that come with it. But at the same time, we're focusing, we're not focusing on what we want. Well, what does God want? What is God's plan in all the pain, in all the setbacks? What is his purpose? And so here's Paul's attitude, grace to you. Verse 2, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. First off, he recognized that he's been called by God as a bondservant. In other words, he's not in control. He's not in charge, God is. But at the same time, he realizes that God uses people to help get the job done. We need each other. The body of Christ is meant to work together, to live together, to commune together, to, to serve one another. Where one is weak, the other is strong. 
And so Paul is saying, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. What a, after all, what does Paul have to do sitting in bonds and chains? What does he have to do but to remember? He could have chose, oh, woe is me. Oh, I've got to get out of here. Oh, God, you've left me. You've forgotten about me. He could have chose that attitude, right? Oh, my goodness. But here he writes, I thank my God in remembrance of you. In my every prayer for you all. I envision Paul was mentioning names, thanking God, sister so-and-so, or brother so-and-so, thanking God. He was individually thanking God for the people that God had given into his life, that God had dropped people, that brought people into Paul's life, that ministered to him, that encouraged him. How many know when you're doing a job, it needs a little encouragement sometimes? When you're trying to get over the hump, so to speak, or you're trying to get through the, through, oh, yeah, you made me lost momentum on a project, and I've got a couple of those floating around. I kind of lost momentum on the project. I need a little encouragement. Now we're getting to the good part. In view of your participation, always offering prayer with joy, that was verse 4. In view of your participation, in view of your participation, the gospel is meant to be participated in. Initiate. The gospel requires action. The gospel requires a lifestyle that will live out and demonstrate to a world around us what is a Christian all about. What does that look like? How do we handle ourselves? What is our attitude toward one another? What is our attitude towards the negative. Oh my goodness. We can choose to dwell on the negative. How many know that don't work very well? Right? Really, it's a downer. The problem is, if you get around negative people, and there's no negative people here, so don't, don't worry, don't panic. But what if you're out in the supermarket, and you're in the marketplace, what if you have some person coming to your place where you work, and they have nothing good to say. And you just feel this heaviness. And it just spews out of them negative. They kick the dog as they come out of the house. They, you know, they're, they're on a rampage. Nothing's good. Nobody can do anything right. Right? Negative. God has to get a hold of their hearts. The secret is letting go, letting God, letting go, letting go. You're not in control. I can't fix people. Hallelujah. I can't fix problems, so to speak. Heart problems. I'm talking about emotional, but I can't fix. I can only love them, encourage them, try to build them up. Try to, steer, try to be an example. So what do you get? With this verse 6 here, this is, this is kind of the clincher verse. This is kind of the, the, the nail you hang your coat on, okay? Now you get the picture. This is kind of the, one of the main, out of this whole chapter, 
He says this, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Right now, some of us are thinking, uh, I can't fix my situation with my loved one. I can't, I don't know what to do. Guess what? If you're praying, guess what? God is working. God is moving. God is doing something. God is not idle in heaven. God is moving by his spirit. God is not setting up in heaven. Well, let's see what these guys are messing up today. If we're crying out loud, we got to do something about this. No, he's up there with wisdom. He sees the beginning to the end. He sees the potential. He sees all that's going to happen before it happens. He knows the beginning to the end. Yet Paul is just saying, I, I'm here, I'm, I'm in this cell, but I'm thanking God. I'm remembering the people who gave this gift. I'm going to write a note of thanks to them, and I'm going to encourage them. You see, Paul couldn't get to them to minister. Paul couldn't get to them to, to speak into their lives. So he's relying on, on God himself, and he recognizes, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That is a good verse. If you've got kids, if you've got grandkids, if you've got great-grandkids, if you've got any family, friends you're praying for, you're loving on them, you're encouraging them, Let's let God finish the work. Let's let God be God. Let's let God be the one who does the heart changing because I can't. I can't change anyone's heart. I can only change my own heart by the help of the Holy Spirit. I can only have the attitude that is proper according to Christ Jesus. And see, when I try to put myself in the place of God, that is not good. No, no, no. What's so freeing? And I'm not saying this is easy. But what is so freeing is you trust God in whatever it takes, Lord. Bring them home to you. Bring them in. Bring your, bring you pray for your love. You pray for your friends. You pray for your name because it's God who is at work. Lord, it is only right for me to feel this. We notice verse 7. Paul is describing his feeling. It's only right, this attitude that I have toward you. He, he will begin a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Because I have you in my heart. Look at that, verse 7. I have you in my heart. Let me ask you the questions. Who do you have on your heart today? Who's on your heart today? And that's just between you and God. But I would dare think there's some people that are pretty special to you that you have on your heart. There's some people, there's some loved ones, there's some friends, there's some connections that you have on your heart that you know that God is working on your behalf, that he, he sees into your heart and he wants to come through. He wants to make men's in people's hearts. He wants to make connections. He wants to bring the healing. You see, we can be in prison but still be free in our heart, Right? They can cast us into prison, but we still have the love of Jesus. You could never lose 
when you trust in Jesus. You'll never be imprisoned as long as you trust in Jesus. No one can take your Lord away from you unless you just give up and let him. We're about a people that will trust in the Lord no matter how or why. And we try to fill in the blanks. Look how he describes, you are partakers of grace with me. It's almost like he's saying, because you're, you're going on with Jesus, you're inspiring me even though I'm in prison. In fact, we'll call this first point Paul's predicament. I didn't even know how to spell that word. I think you'd laugh if you saw my notes. I know it's misspelled. I just spelled it the way it sounded, predicament. But it's probably not even pronounced that way. Predicament, right? How do you say it? Predicament. Predicament. What in the world is the pastor talking about? Predicament. Have you ever found yourself in your... Have you ever found yourself in such a place? Quite a few of you. If it hasn't happened, it will happen. There are no shortcuts to growing in faith. Do you know Vinny? Listen. It always costs us something. Our time, our commitment. Sometimes we get hurt along the way in the ministry or in your workplace or in your relationships. It always costs us something. Look at this predicament. While Paul was in prison, he wrote, he wrote these words. He turns it. His attitude is positive. He writes in verse 12, not, Now I want you to know that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Well, what do you mean, Paul? How can that be better you being in prison, how can that be better for the gospel? He writes, verse 13, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone. And just so you know, a Praetorian Guard has to do with the Roman, uh, they were like officers, they were like policemen, they policed the area, and they could be I read in, in a commentator that there, would, there could be as, as many as 9,000 in a Praetorian Guard. You talk about ministry? Had, that a, had not Paul have been in prison? What is he saying? Because he's in prison, the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else has, has heard. And not only through his word, but because of someone else said, and someone else said, and someone else said. Isn't it just like God to take that which is meant for evil and turn around for good? 
He takes our mistakes. He takes our brokenness. He takes our stuff that we don't know what and why and how and uses it to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, Paul's attitude is this. Whatever it takes. And he goes on. He could have been jealous now. He speaks about those who are preaching Christ. Some, to be sure, verse 15, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. He's, that, that's kind of a negative approach. But some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. It's almost like he's saying, na 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 Paul, we're over here preaching the gospel and you're in prison. We don't like you. Well, Paul says, so long as Christ is preached, there's no competition in the ministry. Amen. We're not competing with other churches. God has called us to be what? He's called us to be here. We're not to compare ourselves. It's not about that. God has a ministry for you as an individual. God has ministry for you. Well, I can't speak. Oh, I can't sing. So what? Can you cook? You can help. You can encourage. You can maybe pick someone up who needs whatever it is. There's so many ways. There's so many things to do in ministry. Oh, Lord, free us up. Listen, Paul's attitude, I'm getting back. Get back to this. His predicament was in prison. His predicament, he could have just went down, spiraled down. He could have crawled into a hole and said, oh, I wish to die. All right, doesn't that sound like someone called Jonah? He's like, he, he always confuses me. Jonah, you remember the story? Didn't want to go to the, didn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Am I talking about the right person, Jonah? He gets swallowed by a whale because he was thrown over because a storm came up. The winds came up. You're the one. And you know the story? They cast lots. Jonah, you're the one. Get out. The storms stops. He's swallowed by a whale. He's in the whale for three days. He's spewed out. Now he goes to Nineveh. But he still didn't have a good attitude. Why did God choose Jonah if he didn't have a good attitude? That's a good question. If I remember, I'll ask God. When I get to heaven, I say, hey, can I talk to you? You know, Jonah, he's got this attitude. God moves, he preaches, he goes back and forth in the city, God moves, and the city repents, and thousands come. And then at the end of the story, at the end of the book of Jonah, he sits down under, uh, in this place, and it's for some reason he's so depressed, he wants to die. What's up with that? I'm going to ask Vern. He knows the answer. Just kidding. <laughs> Earns our Wednesday night teacher. He does a great job. 
But, you know, here's what I've come to understand. There are things in the Bible that you read and you say, what is that all about? You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have it all memorized to have a ministry. The fact that you and I draw breath and have a mind and have a heart to love people. Just love people. Be a friend. You'll have a ministry forever. Being a friend to people that are lonely, that don't have much of anyone around. Predicament can be turned into a wonderful thing with an attitude of positiveness. So long as the job gets done. That was Paul's attitude. So as a predicament, we read further into this chapter, We'll call this Paul's passion. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation, hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. What's Paul's passion? He knew that when he died, he goes to heaven. It was his passion. It was his passion whether he stayed or whether he went, that he wins. Why do we try to sometimes hang on, hang on? It's up to the Lord. I know this. he's got a timing for us. Let's do all we can while we're here. Let's do it as best we can. Let's keep our attitude. Our passion is to bring uh, glory to the Lord. In verse 22, he describes that even his life that he lived will mean. If he lives on, he, he didn't get down. In fact, if he lived on, he's excited because he can have ministry, not just ministry, but fruitful labor. Notice how he calls it fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which to choose. And it's almost like saying, do I have a choice? That's God's choice, choice, whether we live or die. But I think it can matter to God what is our attitude if we live it means fruitful labor. It means that I can encourage someone else. It means that as a farmer goes out and tills the ground and plants the seed and, and hoes the weeds, he expects it to get a harvest. He's got a harvest in mind. If the farmer doesn't go, I'm just going to work this ground and I'm just going to throw the seeds and, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to let it go. It's not worth it. That's, that's not the attitude. We're looking for harvest. You know what? God is looking for the harvest. God already sees the harvest, right? He already sees all the harvest, the white harvest, souls, people that are ready. Then he says, pray for laborers. The workers are few. You and I can be a worker in the kingdom of God. How can I be a worker? It starts with your attitude. It starts at home when you're young. It starts in your, 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 your bedroom. Your attitude. When you're asked to clean up your bedroom. Oh, man, I'm stepping on toes today. It starts as a young person. Mom would expect me to, you know, help on the house. I learned how to dust, how to mop, how to sweep as a boy. I'm not saying that boastingly. It was expensive expressed to me 
You need to do some things, help out around. It was an attitude. Now, I'm sure I didn't have always the greatest attitude. I'd rather be much more outside doing stuff, digging holes, building forts, all those things that you do, falling out of trees. That was quite a story, Horton. Ask Horton what that's all about, and he'll tell you. The farmer, Paul's attitude was, he was looking forward to bearing fruit, to seeing, even though it meant that this life would have its hard press. And if you want to really read some of Paul's story of his uh, trials, read, you read First and Second Corinthians, you'll, you'll get to that whole chapters of how Paul was in danger, how he was exposed to the elements, how he was left for dead, and all this stuff was coming against him, yet he had all the churches on his heart. He was concerned for all the churches at the same time. And so he carried, what was it? What was it? It was his passion. It was his, thirdly, his perspective. It wasn't anything that he felt someone was forcing him to do. His perspective was this, that if God called me, he chose me, he's equipped me, he's filled me with the spirit, he's given me a life to live. Some of us need to understand and be refreshed that God has called you and equipped you, he's given you a ministry even now. You have a ministry in this world, you have a ministry in this community, you have a ministry to your family. A lot of you guys, are called to do that, be a minister to your family, to be a minister to various uh, relationships throughout your community and family. Listen, your confidence does not come from yourself, but it comes from the one who knows all things about you. Your confidence comes not having it all memorized and all all figured out what you're going to say when you're going to get there. Your confidence comes from the Holy Spirit, who Jesus referred to. When I go away, I will send the helper. He will come. He told the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say. Some of you, you're going to be brought before the, the leaders. Some of you are going to be, you know, you're going, to, you're going to give your life. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I will put the words in your mouth. Listen, I'm almost very glad that God doesn't tell us the whole story. I don't know if you're with me on that or like me. I'd much rather live by faith than by sight. And if I knew this was going to happen, something negative, something hard, I would be, I would be stressed out, Max City, wondering how to get out of it. But the same God who created you, breathed life into you, has already written in a book the days that are ordained for you. Isn't that un unbelievable? Yet he's called us to walk by faith. He knows the beginning to the end. Your work is not in vain in the Lord. That's one of those passages that I've underlined and referred to. comes out of... First Corinthians. 
your, your, your work. Some of you feel like all you do is you do this over and over and over. Come on. But when you do it, it's unto the Lord. You know what happens? There's a reward God is keeping. The reward, the reward, the reward is coming. Fruit is coming. Fruit will be rewarded. Faithfulness will be rewarded. Attitude will be rewarded. Therefore, he says, my beloved brethren in another place, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You know what's in vain so often? Raking leaves. Now I got your attention. Now I got your attention. You know, next year they're going to fall again. But why do you rake them? Because it looks good. Right? Cleans up. But there's going to be a whole new batch come around. But we are a people of habit. We get into a rhythm. But sometimes we get into a rhythm and this is the way it is and this is the way it is and this is the way it is. But then sometimes something happens and it's not the way it is. It's not the way it was supposed to be. Why are we in prison, Paul? God had bigger plans. The whole Roman Empire could be impacted. God always sees bigger plans than I can see. God always sees the bigger picture. I can't see the bigger picture. I encourage you. Don't lose heart. Let me end with this verse. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart. What will discourage our ministry is our heart. It gets discouraged. Don't lose heart in doing good. You keep doing the good. You keep doing what's right. It says this, for in due time you shall reap if you do not grow weary. In other words, we're to stay with this till, till the end. We're to keep swinging. We're to keep working. We're to keep giving. We're to keep loving. We're to keep forgiving. We're to keep going on encouraging. Because Jesus is standing and waiting for us. Stand, if you will. We'll sing this last song. This is the song that talks about our God going to the extreme to get a hold of us. He left the 99. This is a song called Reckless Love.